Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menunos, your life improvement series starts now. Uh, Barbara Corcoran is the author of the best-selling book, Shark Tales, How I Turned $1,000 into a Billion-Dollar Business. She's host of the top business podcast, Business Unusual, with Barbara Corcoran. She's a motivational and inspirational speaker and is now one of the original investors, Sharks, on ABC's four-time Emmy Award-winning show, Shark Tank. She has invested in... Did she individually invest in over 80 businesses? Damn. She's invested in over 80 businesses to date. Um, so excited. Um, yeah. Barbara, we're so excited to have you today. Um, you know, there are a lot of women who listen to this show who, like everybody else, uh, you know, the world is changing so much and nobody uh-huh. wants to work for anybody anymore. Nice, and, nice improvement, I think. Yeah. And so now, you know, uh, your advice is more valuable than ever because people need that kind of, um, that little push and that little encouragement. And there was something I was listening to that was really funny. So I was in the kitchen and I was doing my last minute, you know, let's do some last minute little video looks. Husband's making his peanut butter sandwich. I'm having my little egg quesadilla. And you said that people, (coughs) when people have an idea, they should just go for it. That a lot of people spend so much time trying to plan the business perfectly and do the business plan and the this and the that. And, you know, you keep thinking, keep thinking, keep thinking. You're like, just go out and just do it. And my husband starts roaring in the kitchen because <laughs> I am I the- did his job and now you're supporting him. Yeah. Well, no, <laughs> he is the one who went out and built a digital broadcast network. And he's like, it's going to be the largest digital platform in the world and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what is this guy talking about? He's out of his mind. But every time he says something, I think he's out of his mind. He told me at 19, we were living on a basement floor with like five other guys that I was going to be a huge star someday. And I was like 40 pounds heavier in Medford, Mount. Massachusetts. I was like, he's out of his mind. Anyway, he's very right. But 
He is that guy who will just go and do it. And I have always thought that we've done it the wrong way and that we should be putting a, a proper business plan because then you hear from all the professionals and they're like, you guys are just too scrappy. You're not doing it right. And then I feel like, oh, because I'm the perfectionist. I'm like the straight A student who's like, you know, Get thinking right. in those ways. So I would love for you to share your perspective with people because I found it fascinating and and a lot, very freeing too. Well, you're probably of the mind or the type of personality uh, who wants to get things right. But when it comes to business, you don't have to get it right. You just have to get the damn thing going, right? Mm. And what goes wrong when you want to get something right, even to the point of establishing a business plan, which our education constantly tells us the right way to go. It's constantly reinforced, you know. Uh, it's just the common uh, the common great advice out there that everybody, everyone buys into. But I can tell you, I'm in a different position. I've seen entrepreneurship my whole life. I've seen people who have started it and failed. I've seen people uh, probably 20 to 1 who never got it started and really got it right. <laughs> and they never got off first base, okay? What happens is you start using your brain to analyze. And that's nothing but a series of stop signs, uh, maybe not so obviously stop signs. You think they're, they're guidance along the way. They're not. They're stop signs. So if you get, get yourself out there, throw yourself in the hot pot, you've got a 10 times better chance of thinking of solutions that work as you go. If you're at your desk or at your office analyzing how we're going to overcome this, how do we get sales? What's our messaging? It's it's like it's set as set as the ink that you're writing it in or what you're typing on. And the minute you get out in the real world to test any of those theories, they have to change because that's what business is all about: overcoming obstacles, overcoming, reevaluating where you thought you had to go and have to make a quick left, a quick right. You thought you needed a partner like that. No, you found that you need a partner like this. All of the guessing in the world and that analysis in the world is always wrong when you bring it to the street. So why wait? Why not just get out there and get it going? And, and you know what else, too? It's so sadly, I meet so many people who are regretful that they didn't get something going, but they really came to the conclusion they probably wouldn't have made it. When I talk to them, hear what their ideas, I don't tell them this, but in my head, I'm like, that sounds good. Too bad he didn't go do it. And they fill with regret. And that is, you know, regret's a bad one. In my book, yeah. it's like the number one. Uh, you know, you don't want to die with a regret if you have to. And yet uh, so many people stop themselves from starting businesses because they have an intelligent approach versus a down and dirty, get in the street, play in the traffic approach. I love that. Well, if you do have an idea... How do you, is there anything that you should do? <laughs> like I would assume putting in for a trademark or there's got to be something that you can advise them to make sure they have in place. Yeah. Uh, the worst thing is putting in for a trademark. The attorneys make the money. Usually people are short on cash and you're spending your money on the wrong thing. You don't want a trademark. You don't want a patent until people see what you have and they're jealous and want to copy it. That's when you spend the money and usually have the money to spend then. No. When you start out, I think the most important thing is, and very few people do it, go out into the market, the street, figure out who your customer is. Let's say you have a child's product, a toddler, five-year-old a top or something. If that sounds ridiculous. Name anything. Anyone can figure out, oh, is this for an adult or is it for a child? Oh, it's a child. <laughs> Does a child have money to buy it? No, they don't. So why wouldn't you go to the school and ask 10, 20, 30 miles, would you buy this? What would you pay? 
would you get this for your kid? What would you pay? Would you write me a check? But people don't go to the street to do a soft test market. And what you usually find is two out of three ideas suck. Nobody buys them. Nobody's going to do it. But meanwhile, you're getting your plan in order. You're getting your patent on this fabulous idea. You know, you're really excited. And it's who said for me to watch? Yeah, you know, you got to get to the street. Does it make common sense? And will people buy it? Only two questions for all business. Does it make common sense? Yeah, it makes sense. That's how I buy my business on Shark Tank. Will enough people buy it? Nah, it's such a niche thing. Not a lot of people are going to buy it. Does it make common sense? Pizza? Well, yeah, everybody's got a pizzeria. But will enough people buy it on that street corner? Yes. A great business. <laughs> Just a great business. If it makes common sense, enough people will buy it. I love that. You're so inspiring because... You know, I know a lot of the things that have held me back. Um, luckily, you don't seem I've, like you've been held back at all, my dear. Thank you. You'll well, have to convince me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I think um, we all could have more success if we, you know, got out of our own way. And mm-hmm. so there have been things along the way where the perfectionist in me has has ruled and gotten in the way. But, um, you know, you're so inspiring because one of the things that I always was frustrated with was, well, I I think I'm supposed to have gone to business school. I should know all of these things. I should know how to do everything. And maybe I need to go back to school. And, you know, you're famous for being a D student and for just getting out there and, and figuring it out along the way. And using your instinct and you keep talking about street smarts and stuff. And so I think that kind of opens the door for so many people to kind of let go of the fear. Uh Do you know what my own belief on that is? And I'm not trying to put down business schools in any regard. Uh, People love information and they like formulas, how to do something. And they like being prepared. That's human instinct. But When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier 
kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of wonderful pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) (laughs) Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. I can tell you that of all the successful business people I have personally known over my life, uh, not one of them went to business school. <laughs> All of them went to the street. Not one of them are book smart. All of them are street smart. Not one of them are good analyzing stuff in an analytical way, but they're all good uh, figuring out as they go, getting through a door over a window, over a wall. And you want to know if you spend too much time being educated on how to do anything, I don't believe you accomplished nearly as much as just going and doing it. You know, it's like being a student of violin your whole life without getting to the stage. I mean, get to the stage. There's probably a lot more pressure. We might get better at playing, right? Mm -hmm. But with business, I'm telling you, the more educated you are, the less likely you'll jump off the board. The more educated you are, the more apt you are to be hired by an entrepreneur and help them run their business. But so far as being an initiator, uh, someone who can envision something, uh, someone who could picture the team that they want, the, the universe they want to create. Uh, that kind of stuff is so personal. You know, it's so personal. Uh, when I was starting my business, I just had one little dream. I want to be the queen of New York real estate. I never had any right even thinking of it. It's just a cartoon in my head. That's all it was. I had seen the Pope on TV because my mother used to make us watch the Pope whenever he was doing something. And I saw everybody standing in line and kissing his ring. And I'm like, I want to be that person. 
yeah, but I'm going to have them kiss my ring and ask my advice in real estate. And you want to know that's not a business plan, but I can tell you what it was. It was a dream and I was motivated by it and I could feel it, taste it, touch it. And it kept me on course. And so that in my book, for my personality and a whole lot of other people, is a better kind of business plan, a visualization of where you want to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, does it give you the the points, the bullets along the way? No, uh, but they're never on the they're never on the page. They're in the street, you know. And so, um, I'm just so <laughs> anti education on business. If you want to start your business, if you want to work for somebody, all the more power to it. I have a lot of people who work for me that have MBAs. They're so much brighter than me in that regard, uh, but not so far as starting a business. So fascinating. I I wonder, did you ever have, because I, I was like you, I had a very clear vision. Mm. I saw, and I don't, and I always say that like the, the real kind of stars of whatever world, whether it's TV or business or whatever, they already know they're that person. They just don't know how it's going to happen. Yes. Well, exactly said, Maria. I would wholeheartedly agree with you. Yeah. And so I wonder, like, I never had a plan. I just would say, God, take me where I'm supposed to go. I'll work really, really hard. I'll work harder than anybody. And I'll be a good person. Just take me where I'm supposed to go. And that just kind of worked. Is there ever a time you're supposed to have a plan? Did you ever have any other kind of plan other than I want to be the queen of New York real estate? No, of course. In in building my business, you know, all business is nothing more than people. Of course, people on people on people. That's how you build an empire. I don't care what kind of field you're in, whether you have support staff of two or they have a thousand people. So once my business uh, was beyond, I would say, 25 sales agents and employees, uh, I, I could see that I was losing control. You know what I mean? I built that initial piece of my business on my likability and force of personality. You know, the the first two dozen people I hired, I chose them. I talked them into it because I didn't have anything to offer. I motivated <laughs> them. I propped them up. I told them what to do, even when I didn't know what to do. Okay. And they believed in me. So that's a powerful, uh, inspirational boss that could accomplish so much. However, once I got past 25 people, uh, one office, I wanted to have multiple offices because a queen has an empire. She doesn't have one little town. Mm-hmm. She's got the empire, right? But once I wanted to build the empire, uh, I had to get very, very good at envisioning systems. Okay. 30 people to hit an overhead. 45 will make you profit. Okay. 11,000 per head. I took my overhead, divided it by how many people, how much does it cost me to keep this joint? It's 11,000 a head. Okay, so people have to make at least 11,000. Anything over that, I'm making a profit. If they can make an extra 5,000 a year, I have enough to open my second office. So I started uh, being very, very effective on systems and envisioning it in blocks as to how I was going to build. But I really had uh, a tremendous advantage because I, I was the child of my mother and she had 10 kids, had a system for everything. We had the most organized household in the world. She was like a remarkable businesswoman, but she chose to to be a mother her whole life. But all I did was do my business version of her household, you know, Mm. that kind of thing. And so, yes, I did have that kind of a plan for sure with the I's dotted and maybe could even rival you, Maria, on uh, perfectionism on that. Okay. Uh, (laughs) So there is a place uh, for it at some time. (laughs) There is. But also, I have to tell you, perfectionism, I became aware when I had two, three offices started holding me back. And I'll tell you why. Mm -hmm. 
Because when it comes to hiring, say you're a replacement, a manager to manage the office. So I'm the mom of the first office. I need a mom of the second, a mom of the third, mm-hmm. right? Uh, what gets in the way of hiring those moms for me was I always wanted somebody as good as me. And I had a big ego, like they're not quite as good as me. And that's when I finally discovered three, four years into the business that 80% is good enough. That's what my <laughs> husband I says. my standard, 80% is good enough. I started hiring a lot of people. And guess what? 80% is good enough. And maybe they even were better than me. I would never admit it. But I just, hmm, 80% is good enough. And that made me a delegator. I could mm-hmm. let go to this person, not ass- have them assist me, but actually throw them the ball and send them on their way, you know. And then your business starts growing uh, very, very fast because you've removed yourself as that bottleneck, you know, which is a natural thing to do when you want uh, a company that's a living image and perfection of how you see things should be. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt about my business. It was like my child. You know how you love a child and you want the very best for them? I had exactly that relationship with my corporate group and my people, the managers, the salespeople, the clerks, everybody. And so it was very hard to let go of perfection, but the 80% set me free. And I'm sure I would not have uh, been able to envision a big business as I was able to build with without letting go of that. Yeah. Do you have any um, tips on hiring? Oh, sure. I'm a very, <laughs> a very determined hire. Okay. <laughs> uh, I have simple rules and maybe it wouldn't apply to anybody, but it works for me. So I'll share them with you. Mm-hmm. Number one, hire happy people. I've never again, hire an unhappy person after the first unhappy superstar salesman I lived with. Everybody loved her on the outside. She was an amazing salesperson. She was actually at one point, like middle year, she was producing close to 80% of the income of the entire company. She's a superstar. 80%? What? 80% of the whole income? Well, it sounds like I had all losers. I didn't. (laughs) You know, I I had people learning coming up the ranks. So I knew they were coming up. They, They, someone meet her. Eventually, some would surpass her, but at that juncture, but she was miserable to live with. Some mm-hmm. mornings, I would like not go want to go into work. I yep. never had that thought before mm-hmm. until the day I fired her. What for? She said, "You just don't fit in here." What for? She said, "I'm telling you." The minute she walked out that door that Thursday, I felt it was like pulling a thorn out of a saddle of the whole business. <sighs> I could feel everybody breathe out. They all hated her. She fed by taking from other people Mm. and mostly me. You know, I needed a shrink, actually. I could have spent millions on a shrink and not been fixed with her in the shop, right? Mm -hmm. But when she left, let me tell you something. uh, Walking in the door the next day was a gift from God. Uh, Norma Hirsch, she had no experience, walked in, classy lady, confidence. She became my number one salesperson within six months. I'm like, whoa. And I said, I will never ever let an unhappy person near me again in my business. So that's the first qualifier. Huge. Sorry, huge. Huge. I'm sorry to spend so much time. But no, it's yeah. huge. And I've huge. never heard anybody put it like that, but it's true. Oh. I've had so many people in different positions in my company where I don't want to go to my job and it's uh, my, it's my job. I don't want to oh. go to the, the office. It's my office. I don't want to do, I don't want to be around them. I'm miserable and I'm not a miserable person. And I'm like, this, I just can't do this anymore. And so I luckily hire happy, but I didn't realize it 
like mm. in those words, like it was never put in words. So I think that's just brilliant. Continue. Sorry. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you've walked in those shoes, both sides, and, and mm-hmm. you learned that lesson pretty fast. Um, you know, uh, what's wrong with an unhappy person, even if they're not a direct report to you? And remember, I had a huge company, so most could come in different offices, different positions. I met them, but I didn't hire them. Okay. Uh, but what goes wrong with one unhappy person, especially in a sales organization? Sales is all about pushing forward, pushing forward, right? What happens is it's like it's like a pin in a balloon. And an unhappy person is never unhappy alone. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor me. Oh, man. Oh, wrong me. Oh, poor them. What do you think? Don't you agree? Well, before you know, you have a little pity party, you know? Mm-hmm. Whoa. No, it's like Omicron. It's so catchy. It is catchy in a very, very negative way. Uh, but if you can avoid that, I do have a, if that's, if it's helpful to you, I do have a little uh, litmus test or litmus test. I always forget what that word is that I use. Okay. When I interview someone, some people have a really great act, you know, mm-hmm. really great act in every way. And I'm listening and I go, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and when they walk out the door, I pay very close attention to the feeling I have when they walk out the door. And it's always one of two things, never in between. It's either relief that's weird. I feel really, oh, got that done. Oh, got that done. Or it feel, I feel a little happy about myself. And that little happy bubble is like left over after they leave the room. And I never, no matter how much my head says there, they'd be phenomenal at. They really have that experience. They could do, I do not hire them because mm-hmm. I figure my gut is telling me something. And, you know, so far as gut goes, it's a culmination of everything you've learned to date. So I used to feel bad, like not being able to justify my landing pads where I decided something. Uh, but I gave that up after five years. I realized, well, my gut's my gut's the smart piece of me. You know, let mm-hmm. me just listen a little heavier to my gut, you know. So yes. that helps me not hire those people. So far as the other traits that I look for, I do not look for experience because I could teach anybody anything or somebody else could teach them anything. I always put attitude over experience. And that's basically my short list, you know, attitude and happiness. I think Great people incredible. with attitude are naturally team players. They join hands. They're naturally not territorial. Uh, they can put their ego aside for the sake of the team. So you build might uh, by having the capacity of people holding hands and becoming a true team. And you can't lecture that. I mean, if you have the wrong people, you can lecture forever. You won't make a great team of them, but have the right people have a camaraderie, mm-hmm. and joy and respect for each other and happiness because their parents did a good job. Uh, you wind up with a very happy team. All yeah, amazing yeah. tips. I have a questionnaire. I oh. felt like such a failure for so long at hiring. I would hire assistants. <laughs> and I'm like, I just don't know what I'm doing wrong. So then I created this questionnaire because what I realized is when you're oh. interviewing so many people, you think you're going to remember. It's like when you go to the doctor and the doctor tells you all these things, you leave, you think you're going to remember, you forget unless you journal it. So I created oh. a questionnaire where I would fill things out, things I was feeling, things I was seeing, along the way so that yeah across from you yeah like this woman is ugly whatever it was i would mark (laughs) down my my notes and then i I would notes (laughs) i would remember later so then i was like and then i would say did i feel good with this person i would check check yes or check no when they left because then you'd have multiple interviews in a row and you need to remember um would this person fit in the culture here would this person all these things and that actually helped me because 
It helped wow. remind me of my feelings and and Absolutely. my gut. Especially with multiple interviews, so clever. Mm-hmm. And you're not reflecting after the fact. You're noting as you go. Mm-hmm. That's what's smart about that. Yeah, because yeah. your intuition will play tricks on you. You'll be like, oh, no, I just, uh, you know, I, you'll make up excuses. But the mm. problem is, is people really want to work for you. So they'll say anything to get in the door. I've had mm-hmm. people who said, oh yeah, no, I know how to use, you know, back then a Blackberry, God rest in peace, Blackberries. Today's their day. It's over. Um, but um, they'd say all these things and then they'd start to work for me. And then I'd find out they were just trying to tell their rich parents that they could get a job and they had no idea how to use a phone. They didn't know ha- how to do anything. I'm like, wait, now I'm stuck with you. I'm, actually, I got stuck with somebody during Dancing with the Stars. Ironically, I know we both did that show. Um and you I did was a lot like, better than I did, by the way. <laughs> thank you. By the way, I loved you on dancing, and I'm so Obviously, sad. They didn't. I was the first one out. <laughs> it's so unfortunate. You came out with so much personality and so much fun. <laughs> you and Keo. I don't know how your husband handled it, but I was like, they're uh, adorable. He's confident. He's confident. Yeah. Well, my husband had to deal with that too. So <laughs> we obviously have good ones, but, but I thought but you were great. That I was old enough to be Keo's grandmother. He wasn't worried. <laughs> <laughs> you were so cute. But I did see you said, actually, this reminds me, you said that being judged was horrific. Is that right? You had said something like that. What? Yeah, tell me what that felt like, because um, you're probably not really in positions to feel like that very often. I'm not. Um, You said something earlier, uh, which is very important. Uh, You said you were willing to work harder than anybody else. Okay. That is my mantra. If there's something I pulled confidence from, it's two things in my personality. One, I had to learn, uh, you know, let go of childhood stuff and become that person older. One, I had to learn uh, clearly. Well, let me, let me say it differently. Okay. With my mother at home, I learned what hard work was, so I didn't have to build confidence about hard work. But the thing I had to learn is to think well of myself and to eliminate whatever insecurity tapes you have in your head. And those are my two great things that I can accomplish now. I could recover well from a rejection. I could cover well from a mistake. I bounce right back up and say, hit me again like a jerk, you know, and I can work my buttons off. Uh, But what I can't do uh, is have a situation where I have no chance of winning. When I went on Dancing with the Stars, believe it or not, I'm sure it's so stupid that I actually thought this, but I thought if I work harder than anybody else on learning how to dance, because I didn't know how to dance, because you have that run up of months of practice, right? Mm -hmm. I will be the winner. I walked in there. I knew I was going to be the winner. (laughs) Because you are a winner. Why would you expect anything less? Because I had never experienced that. Hard work and determination for me always was a winning card. So for me to be judged as not very good, even minimally good, and to be thrown out the first one, it was hard. I mean, I was just, I was more upset at myself at my extreme confidence going in Hilarious. <laughs> than actually the conclusion, you know? And uh, ah, what an experience. But am I happy I did it? Yes, because I'd rather do anything then regret not trying and that's what got me and I was like well if I say no I'm always going to wonder so I might as well say yes and then mm-hmm. I said but I'm gonna win yeah <laughs> so I knew said I wouldn't but I knew I was gonna win <laughs> so then how did you learn how to get over rejection it's a habit it's a habit I started learning it because my mother was of that kind of thinking 
uh, of uh, no allowance for being a victim in anything. I mean, Ooh. she had the biggest family in town. We were in a poor family. She could, had to make ends meet. My dad had two jobs. We didn't have by any any stretch of the imagination, any privilege growing up whatsoever. But we had two parents that loved us to death. And now as an adult, I realize that's the winning card. You get loved to death. Mm-hmm. You turn out okay, you know. All right. But with my mother uh, she, modeling that, uh, she used to send us out to compete in a contest like the Good Citizenship Award in our little town of Edgewater, New Jersey, where we'd go up and we'd be with the ladies society on the other side of the tracks. They were a little fancier. They're middle class in my mind. Middle class was like, they're the rich people. Oh, yeah. I know the feelings. And sitting there and them saying, so what does good citizenship mean to you, Barbara Ann? I would like, I don't know. (laughs) My mother didn't prepare us. She said, just get up there on your bike and go apply. Okay. We had to do it. We had to do all these kind of stupid things, and we learned to lose. And you want to know, um, I, I, I think it sounds weird for a parent to teach kids to lose, but that's the important trait, mm. to lose and then get back up and do it again and do it again. So what I learned my confidence from was I had a head start with my mother. She you know, toughened us up. I secondly worked since I was 11, so I had lots of jobs. I got fired from some, didn't get fired from most of them. And so I knew how to restart, restart. So by the time I was 23 and started my business, I may have looked like a young girl from New Jersey in the wrong clothes, but I was really an old girl already at that point in my soul. I felt old Mm -hmm. and I was able to uh, realize that if I just tried a whole bunch of shit, some of it was going to work. I wasn't that particular. You know, let's, hey, how about this? How about that? I have an idea. Like, hey, how about this? And put my energy and weight and money behind it. And the salespeople would follow me and I'd be wrong. Huh? But not only that, I have another one. <laughs> and what happens is a lot of people, I know with the kids especially, they think that uh, people learn confidence by winning. I have more moms and dads say, if only my son could find his place, if only he could just get a real win at that First, that first shot, Barbara, I know he's an amazing kid. Well, guess what? It doesn't work that way. That kid gets his confidence by being exposed to failing and being taught to get back up. And you don't get your confidence from the win. You get your confidence from when you get knocked down, knowing mm-hmm. with your self-pride that you know you're the type of person that's going to get back up and swing at the bat again. And that gives you the confidence that when you're going down, it doesn't hurt as much because you're like that stupid jack-in-the-box, like, hit me. That's a great visual. You know? Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's a certain confidence that can take you wherever you can dream because you know you're going to get through no matter what. Mm -hmm. And I do know I'm going to get through no matter what, you know? I mean, I've never been ill, but even if I was ill, I think I'd probably be the best ill person. <gasps> Sorry, God, I'm not wishing to get ill. Ever, but <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think that uh, that ability to just know you always come back and you take another swing. If not for that ability, even when I was, I don't know how old I was, I've been on Shark Tank 12, 13 years. So I was already in my, was I in my 60s already? I guess. But when they hired me, had me sign the contract and then fired me before I started, they said, oh, sorry, we changed our mind. We never signed our side of the contract. What? You know, if I didn't sit down and write Mark Burnett an email that second, because I was used to getting back up, you've made a mistake, you know, and let me tell you why. In a nice way, I did it. Okay, but that got him to let me come out, which was my idea, and compete for the lone female seat. And in competing for that seat, I wanted it. 
if I didn't get back up. And interestingly, my boss, Clay, is a sweetheart on that show, told me two weeks into the show that even though they had rejected my contract that I had signed, they had rejected like 50 some odd people. They they sent contracts to a wide universe and then decided who they wanted. I wow. didn't know that. I thought a contract meant they wanted me. They never said that. But he said I was the only one that wrote an email. Wow. Isn't that crazy? These wow. are successful business people. Thank God I wrote that email. But that was nothing more than my usual MO of already being in the habit of knowing what happens. You get knocked down. You're like a ball. You bounce back up. The harder the hit, the more you, get, you automatically can bounce up. So I think just that that bounce back ability, if there's such a word, you know, is is like tantamount to successful life. You don't have to be in business for that. You know, it's 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 like such an important quality. Well, you can't expect anything else like it's going to happen. So you have to be. You know, that's, I had um, the eyebrow guru, Anastasia here once, and she said something that stuck with me forever. She's like, why do people get surprised when there are problems? <laughs> that's a good one. She's like, it's going to happen. She's like, so just roll through it, get through it. It's just going to keep happening. People stop being oh so God. surprised. Oh <laughs> and yeah. so I've always had Rocky's quote in my head. It ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. And I've used that in every challenging moment of my life from brain surgery to toxic work environments to whatever I've dealt with. I've used that to get me through. And the fact that life is happening for me, not to me. So then I could also get to the root of why you said something earlier that very much interested me. And we talk about that a lot here is childhood traumas. So it seems like you worked through a lot of things kind of on your own, but did you ever have any kind of help with the therapist or what were some of the challenges you had to overcome to be as successful as you are? Well, honestly, um, I got pretty lucky in that regard. I mentioned that my parents were very loving. Uh, the huge challenge I had as a child is I couldn't learn in school. So I was a dunce and that's not a good position to be in as a kid. Okay. But believe me, I've got my money's worth out of that. <laughs> I don't regret that at all. But at the time, if I had envisioned how that would help me, it would have helped a little, you know? Uh, but for me, uh, my idea of, of uh, he- really hell on earth where I learned shame, the real feeling of shame as a young child uh, when I couldn't read out loud, mm-hmm. you know, in my day, you learned to read, wrote, and they went up and down the aisles of my little Catholic school. So we had 56 kids in the class, and I was pretty early because my name was C for Corcoran, so I was like number four. And when I got to my desk, I couldn't pronounce Dick and Jane and dog and cat and were. I could, uh, 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 and the kids would start giggling. I never learned to really read uh, like a fluent sentence anywhere. I learned, I started learning little words, you know, that I could visualize, but I never really learned to read a sentence fluidly until I was about in seventh grade and then very slowly. But by then they don't make you read out loud. But the damage that was done between first grade and seventh grade and the damage that is done to children who don't fit in and aren't helped or or aren't handled well or managed well. And it's a complicated management job as a parent, as a teacher, I'm sure. But the damage you could do to those kids is they never come back up. You're a loser for life. They think you're a loser for life. They're odd. They're an outcast. They're different. Uh, they don't have the ego intact, you know. But thank God I had my mother because she told me not to worry about it. 
she couldn't afford extra help. Uh, she didn't have time to help. My dad didn't have time to help. You were either a good student in my family. Seven kids were eight students without opening a book. And three of us were dyslexic. And for those three kids, you just were on your own. But interestingly enough in life, those three dyslexic kids have built huge businesses, very successful. All right. Uh, which isn't saying that's the secret formula, but they all succeeded because of my mother's attitude toward us. She used to say to me, Barbara, you have a wonderful imagination and we think you'll fill it all out. You'll figure it all out. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about Sister Stella Marie, you know? And and to have uh, that contrast, to be a loser in school with the shame and to go home and your mother thinks you're a genius every day. Thank God she was that way. So I had two people to choose from, mm-hmm. either the nuns or my mother. And I chose my mother. I liked her messaging a lot better, you know? Yeah. And, uh, And so that really saved me. What I got from that experience, however, is I learned to be an outsider. I learned to eventually think I don't give a shit what those kids think. And I, that's my attitude with my competition. I never felt peer pressure. like, whatever. Um, And I learned to be an innovator because I was an independent thinker. Mm. And I would have, I don't believe I would have gotten any of that with a different kind of wiring in my brain. That was a fault learning in school, but an asset learning in business, you know? So I don't regret it. I just wouldn't wish it on any kid. And of course, I got two dyslexic kids. God punished me. It's like, <laughs> I'm choosing you. You're going to get dyslexic kids too. Do you <laughs> say the same you? thing your mom said to them? Do you say the same things? Like, do you pick out their strengths? Of course. And I, I can tell you they have opposite uh, skill sets. Totally nothing. You wouldn't know they're the same family. Uh, but they have powerful skill sets, mm-hmm. you know, I make sure I go with my magic marker underlying it. They're almost to a point of embarrassment, but I don't think you can overdo it. Yeah. You know, as long as it's genuine, you can't puff smoke up your kid's ass and tell him he's a genius when he's not. A lot of parents do that. He's a remarkable basketball player as the kids cringe. You know, <laughs> yeah. you have to be genuine. Kids know the difference between a lie and a pump. Yeah. But if you can really Focus on getting the good stuff and, and pointing it out. I don't, I think you can, uh, you do the best for your child and allowing them to fail. I mean, that's the other side. You can't just pump them and not let them drop. How will they learn about life without yep. having a failure? You know? Exactly. So, Did you yeah. ever have shame around money growing up poor? No. You know why? We never had enough. But my mother's attitude, to this day, it's my attitude. Money is meant to be spent. I spend whatever I want, whatever I spend, and the money comes back to me. And that was my mother's attitude. When Mm -hmm. it came to Christmas time, we always got new pajamas, flannel, brand new pajamas every Christmas. And I don't know how my mother went to hock for it. We owed the grocer. There's always stuff going on. But she's like, you deserve your new pajamas. And we opened them. She just believed that money was meant to be spent. And when my business at many junctions was near bankruptcy, I'm sweating today for some reason. <laughs> the second change of life. Oh, God. Hope not. <laughs> one is enough. <laughs> yeah, one is too much. Yeah. But when, uh, what was I talking about? I don't remember. I lost my thought with the change of life. Miser- miserable memory. Ah, who knows? Your mom, um, your mom be- believed that money was meant to be spent and she would always get you your pajamas. Okay. I just want to say as an adult, at junctures along the way, I thought I was going out of business. So I always put the pedal to the metal was overextended and I spent my money. So almost too fast on building the business. Uh, but I remember one time I was talking to my mother and she said, you're not yourself. I said, well, I'm not myself because on Monday, I'm going to give a speech to everybody and tell them I'm closing the business. I told her I was having business problems. I cannot make it. And you know what she said? Wait a minute. You're not worried about money, are you? I wanted to 
wring her neck on the phone. I said, of course I'm worried about money. That's why I'm going out of business. We don't have any. And she said, oh, what a waste of time. And the silence in that moment for me was like freedom. And she was right. What was it going to do? How was it going to change? And son of a gun, that weekend, uh, I had the idea. It was a miserable market. That's why I was going out of business. Everybody was going out of business. I had a remarkable idea on how to sell 88 unwanted apartments and sold them within like two and a half hours. One week later, and opened two new offices. I went from the poor house to the big shot. (gasps) But I don't think I would have freed my brain for that if Mm. she hadn't released me. You know, I credit her for that. Yeah. yeah, Your focus shifted. Yes, it did. Like, oh, but I don't have to worry about money. What, What else will I think about right now? And I thought of that idea, not that moment, but the next day I thought of that idea and actually worked. And so uh, back to money is meant to be spent. You know what I find? I I live with so many, uh, travel in so many circles, especially building my luxury real estate business circles of very rich, rich people. New York has always attracted the famous wealthy, wealthy people. Right. And I can tell you uh, money complicates. They're no happier than the poor people. There's unhappy poor people, unhappy rich people, not people think it's a solution, but people who make a lot of money never have enough. I'm not knocking them because I'm one of them. In other words, I have a phenomenal year. And what do I want to do in January? Beat last year. Why? Do I have to? (laughs) I should retire by now, but no, I want to beat last year. It's a habit of making money and wanting more and more of it. Not, Mm -hmm. you know, not, not, not a bad thing. Depends what you do with your money, I think. But yeah, it's a, it's a funny little twitch you get going mm-hmm. uh, in a moneyed world, I think. Barbara, have you failed at anything lately? At a task or try stuff? Anything. Of course. Yeah. I failed at tennis last week. And came <laughs> <home>. <laughs> I haven't played tennis in 30 years. I thought I'll show my kid who hadn't played. He was learning, as was his wife. I'll show him how good I used to be. Within a minute, I fell fractured my shoulder. Yeah, I failed because I was showing off. I deserved to fail. I'm like, look at me. I'm so cool. Look at your mother. You thought she was all wait till she gets a tennis rack. Oh, <laughs> I'll never go on a court again, but I fail at things constantly and work. Alina, yeah. what have I failed at? No, be truthful because we try so many things yeah. and we hit and we don't hit a lot. Name a few clients. Saving year. You don't want to look like you're winning at everything because life's not that way. You That's win the at thing. more stuff, the more stuff you try. So my trier, trier, trier. Come on, what do you think? Every five TikToks we make, you know, <laughs> one blows it out of the water and the other four kind of flop. Oh yeah, right. We film like what six TikToks yeah. this morning? So stupid. They're so good though. <laughs> they're so good, Barbara. <laughs> they're good or great. They're so good or great, but they're never the ones we work hard on. It's like, oh, yeah. isn't that the funny thing? It's the ones yeah. that you don't work hard at, the ones you don't overproduce, just in general. But that goes back to your original theory: just go out and do it. Stop thinking it too much. Yeah. Well, TikTok is a a regular uh, is a very effective. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A parallel or a symbol of life in a way. I mean, it's true. It's like in business, as in TikTok, it's about throwing more shit on the wall. Yeah. And putting your heart into it and being okay if it doesn't stick. Okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and um, business is very much that way in every regard. Going back to Shark Tank, I never asked you, what did Mark Burnett say when he wrote? Did he write you back? No, he did not. But he had a secretary named uh, uh, Charmin. 
And before I sent the email, I called up Sherman. She's the one who made the call saying, I'm sorry, we've changed our mind. We've decided on another woman. And she was a lovely woman. I could tell. And I said, I called her back in a minute. And I said, Sharma, I'm going to write an email. But before I do, I want you to promise to walk it over to Mark Burnett. Because big guys don't read their own emails. Mm-hmm. They get lost in the shuffle. I said, I want you to promise to walk it over. And she said, of course. I asked her nicely. And she said, of course. And so when I wrote that email, and it was, gosh, it was like, I should send it to you. It's, it's on my wall. I'm so proud of it. I love it. Like eight sentences, you know, but it made a life change for me. It right? gave me another whole new career. Mm-hmm. But when I wrote those eight and nine sentences back, uh, Charmin, she was so sweet, called me back. She said, uh, just wait. I said, what do you say? She said, she sounds like a shark. And I go, and I held my breath. Nothing happened that night. And the next morning, I got an email from his office, some other lady saying they'd like to invite me out to compete for the seat on that date which is what I had proposed. Why not have both women compete? Let the best man win, so to speak. And so he went with that and I got that seat. And was it was, televised or was it just a test? Yes, oh no, it was not a test. They weren't testing anybody. Who was the other woman? I can't tell you. Is it filmed and is it out there? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. You mean, it, no, no. Oh, was the competition okay. film? No. You know, that's interesting. You would ask. I never really paused to think about that. I filmed, and I know it was filmed for TV, and she filmed, and I know it was filmed for TV, but I guess they got rid of that piece. I'm yeah. about it. Otherwise, I wouldn't ask because I know it's not kosher, but yeah, I thought it was filmed. And Yeah, yeah, it was filmed, yeah. Interesting. Um, uh, it's interesting how many people ask me that, though. <laughs> but I keep picturing myself in the other position. Totally. So oh, Barbara tried out for that and didn't get, oh, I would be ashamed yeah. for the rest of my life. No, know? I know. It's like it's like that when we have to ask, like, the Brad Pitts of the world, was there something you passed on? And then you find out, oh, he passed on this and that person got it because he passed. There is all of that element to it. But is there anybody out there right now that you think would be a great shark on Shark Tank? Oh, so many. So many. I get emails from people every week asking for an introduction. All right. But uh, I will, I want to just throw one thing in the best shark I've ever seen on Shark Tank, other than Mark Cuban, mm-hmm. who was a guest shark and never left, you know, and the guy who was in his seat before him lost his job because Mark was so strong and he's key to that show. Okay? I don't even remember he who was on in. before him. Oh, funny. don't look it up. No, that's embarrassing. <laughs> that guy has made a, a, a fulfilled living saying, Shark on Shark <laughs> after two seasons. So good for him. He got wow. what he needed. All right. But Kevin Hart, the comic, right? I mean, I thought this is going to be fun today. Kevin Hart's on Guess Shark. We're going to have a little fun here. Well, first of all, my producer gave him my seat next to Mark because Mark wanted to sit next to him. So I got had to go on the end seat. I hate that end seat. I'm like, <laughs> so already I wasn't liking him so much anymore. You know, like, wait a minute. Why did he get my seat? Why didn't you use somebody else's seat? Why doesn't Mark give up his seat? Why my seat? I got through that in about two minutes. Uh Oh, feel sorry for myself. Pity party for two minutes. And then I'm back to what is he going to do? I thought he would be hysterically funny. He was, in my mind, the smartest shark to date. He's on this Friday night, by the way. Wow. The smartest shark to date. Quick-witted. His ability to size up people, I think that's my forte, judging people, knowing intuitively what's good, what's not. He made me question my ability there. He was so strong in that arena. His his ability to analyze numbers, like a walking 
like a walking adding machine calculator. He was amazing. When he left after two days, I wanted to cry. We all wanted to cry. It was like we were losing our heart and our soul to the shower. He was the best shark ever. Wow. Would I have recommended him as an incredible shark? No. I don't think of him as a business person. He's a phenomenal business person. He is. Yeah. But I would invite your Brad Pitt, if I could sit next to him or on his lap, (laughs) a good word. I would definitely invite Paris Hilton, who I think is a very shrewd business mind. Uh, And you know what? I used to recommend a lot of people to my boss, say, how about, how about, how about? And he kept saying, well, we were already talking with them. There doesn't want to do it. Who's the big basketball star? LeBron. LeBron. Yeah, yeah, he's a good businessman. Yeah, he's a really absolutely. good business, business man. He has a who's a who's a big guy? The Shaq. Shaq. Shaq oh, and Shaq to be on that show. Yep. But I don't think people envision him as a businessman. He's enormously successful. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Has Chris Jenner um, done it yet? Uh, no. Talk about making a business out of thin air. Mm-hmm. Remarkable. You know, yeah. I had real estate, real property to work with. She had air. Yeah. Yeah. And she is the longest running, I mean, way past what anybody would have ever imagined. And they just keep reinventing and reinventing. Um, Reinventing. Isn't that the truth? It's pretty incredible. Um, Is there any other world you want to work in and conquer, uh, whether it's TV or film? I know you've done some like acting a little here and there. You've done some little things. Was it Frankie? Grace and, what was it? Grace, Grace and Frankie. Grace and Frankie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You did, you did oh, something on there. That was, in the sh- that was in my Shark Tank seat. Come on, you know we knew what we had to say, right? Yeah. Like, Is there ah, anything else? Uh, not really. I mean, think about uh, uh, think about it realistically. To build a business, I think it takes unless you're in the technology business that you hit on takes off. Um, and that's not my ballywick. I don't know that that turf at all. Uh, it takes, I think, 10 years to build a business. I'm 73. You think I want to get started again? Of course, but I don't know what. <laughs> but do I want to spend 10 years and start from scratch now? Well, you're doing I a like podcast doing... now. Oh, the podcast. I love doing. That's Ooh, new. Oh, yeah. You're right. Right. And I have a book I'm half writing. Half okay. Halfway through the book. And I have a TV show in my life bought by one of the networks. No way. Is... Yeah. Is it going to be a scripted show? It's going to be a series wow. scripted, of course. I won't be in it. Yeah. But there'll be a young Barbara, middle-aged Barbara. Well, mostly young, a kid and a 20-something Barbara. That's so cool. Yeah, it will be fun. Um, yeah. Did you make I, a New Year's resolution? Do you yes, make them? I did. Yes, I did. And I'll tell you, it was overdue. I'm not a believer in resolutions, but I think the one good thing about the whole idea of a resolution, it gives you a pause button to stop and assess who you are, what you've done. So I guess it's good for that. I don't believe in putting your spade in and do it because it's January. I'm not so good at that. It's got to be self-motivated, not by a calendar, you know, but my, if you want to call it a resolution, what I paused and thought about and concluded on this Christmas for the first time, I don't know why I didn't think of it before. I realized I was never going to retire. I was not going to retire because I like my work so much. So creative. Why would I ever retire? You know, and knowing I was never going to retire, I look back at this last year, which was a tough year and a very productive year for my company. 
I never made more money, never got more involved in different things, was never paid more in my life. But I realized when I looked at the calendar, I had very little fun. And fun's my secret sauce, always in building a business and building myself, enjoying my life. Because everybody was gun shy about trips, gun shy about get togethers. So I, I did it tentatively. But what I'm going to do this year, without a doubt, is I'm going to uh, put my pedal to the metal but in terms of fun now, I already have three trips planned with my girlfriends, one another trip planned with my family. And we just came back from one. I'm on a vacation and have fun every fourth week for this entire year. That gives me 12 fun weeks because, you know, uh, wow. if now that I know I'm never going to retire. I realize, oh, this is going to be work and retirement side by side, you know, and and I'll have this great combination. But more importantly, I've crushed out the days in my calendar. And send out dates, at least for the first quarter of the year, to collect those three trips together. Because when you put the dates in your calendar, things happen. And people do it for business all the time. But they don't advance plan for fun. And mm -hmm. I used to be great at that. But COVID got in the way. And I had to have a wake-up call uh, this Christmas, realizing, wait, this is not going to be five years of my life. I'm going to sit on a beach and giggle and drink too much wine. I got to get all that wine in now, you know? Yeah. So it's more retirement. I like it. Oh. Is that a real work? I just came up with it because workation, I love workations. So oh. you're doing work retirement. Well, you know what? Actually, I came up with it, not you. <laughs> I mean, you want to use it. <laughs> you you are welcome to use it. Make it more work retirement. <laughs> That's your next book, Work Retirement, How to Never Retire. No, I'll have it on TikTok today. I won't wait for a book because you might beat me to it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Barbara, where do you get your energy? Do you get up and work out? Like, how do you keep this, this vibrant energy that you have? Well, your personality, a lot of it you're born with. And I think I just was always kind of energized. Um, I definitely got my energy from my mother. I never saw her ever, ever sleep. She ironed our clothes, did our wash without a washing machine. We got up, we all went to school with clean clothes. She obviously had to be up all night doing that stuff. I never saw her laid down until she passed away. But I think what drives my own individual energy more than demand of work, which is what my mother had, just keeping up, raising these kids and everything that went into it. But for me, my energy comes from my curiosity. I am too nosy. I can't wait to see what's new out there, what's around that corner, and how I can take advantage of it and be first. And I'm also competitive. Mm -hmm. so everybody's running in a direction of something that's new and hot and new. Um, like business unusual. The minute the podcast, I was out. You know, like, ooh. And what I found with my podcast, I have to tell you, it's very different than TV work, as you know, because mm -hmm. I'm one-on-one -on -one talking to people and I give great advice. So when people call in the 888 Barber number, I'm giving really good advice and I feel proud of myself. Like almost like, not like a charity, but like a unlicensed shrink, you know, on what you should do to change it. And people really do write back to me, call back and tell me what a difference I made. I feel like a million bucks on that one. But curiosity it wasn't like, I want to have a podcast too. It was like, oh, what's that about? And then I found out it's about something very exciting. You could talk to people, you know. Did you ever burn out in life? I did burn out when my boyfriend and partner, Ramon Simone, uh, who loaned me the $1,000 start the business, thank God, or where would I have gotten $1,000? When he told me uh, when I left him because he married my secretary, I just couldn't work with him anymore. That was a shocker. Did that burn me out? It burned me to my soul. I felt like 
total rejection because I was 29, not married. This was the love of my life, my business partner. I was raising his three children. I thought we were an item. And then he married my young secretary. Oh, abruptly, I was devastated. Did I burn out? Yes. But let me tell you something. Uh, there's nothing more powerful than the revenge of a woman. <laughs> After I hit that floor mm-hmm. and came back up, you know, when I ended the partnership, which took me a year, I'm ashamed to say, should have just ended it right then and there, but I didn't have the confidence. But when I ended that partnership um, and he gave me that wonderful, wonderful gift, which I always tell people, he said, thank God. He said, you'll never succeed without me. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's the vengefulness in me. Like, you I'll show you. If I wasn't going to succeed at that point in my life at 29, I already had built that little business with him. So we were successful by moderate standards. He gave me the jet fuel. Yep. <laughs> you know, so insult could be a wonderful motivator. Depends if you're insecure. If you're insecure like me and somebody pushes you like that, you come back. If you're secure, you let it go. I was pissed. I was coming back. (laughs) I love it. Oh my God. I love your spirit. Uh, Next time I'm in New York, we have to get coffee. I love, love, love talking to you. I don't have coffee. Okay, good. Four glass of Pinot Grigio. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So season 13 of Shark Tank. I can't even believe it's season 13. Airs this. I can't either. My gosh. Friday nights at 8 p.m. on ABC. And you can check out our podcast, Business Unusual, on Apple Podcasts. We're going to put a link to the podcast um, in the description of the show so you guys can get it easily. And maybe a link to her TikTok, too, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Barbara, you're a joy. Thank you so much for taking so much time with us and for all your incredible insight. And uh, and you're just so much fun. I love you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends, and if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you, and Finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heal squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.